I need to hide first. I'm gonna take a moment, let me cover myself in soap so nobody can see me. Sounds like bullying. Kinda. Hearing these stories absolutely changed my life. No, but for real, and I think in a lot of cases, like, legitimate concerns that people have where they're actually like, I am here in treatment because I want to recover. Mm -hmm. I'm desperately trying. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to Eating Disorders Off Topic. Uh, welcome back, starting a whole new year, whole new season. We're ready to go in January. Um, welcome back, Joy. Hello. It's been it's been a long a long season. I think we recorded the last couple back in like October, November, and then like dropped them pretty quick, and then took like a nice little break with family and friends. Got our yeah, got all ready to go, and then we're, you know, it's weird because the, I always forget, like, it feels like December and January are so much further away than they are from each other, but really it's just, like, one day, but it, it feels like a, more of, like a, like, a straight line, and then you're going back to the beginning than the actual, like, circle that it actually is. So it always, like, takes me a while for my mind to adjust and be like, okay, okay, new year, and... I'm not writing 2021 on things anymore. I was for like the first week. Right. And then towards like Thursday, Friday, I, my mind started catching it. And I was like, okay, 2022, 2022, I can do this. I'm good. So I'm all right. How's, how's your year been going? It's pretty good. It's been going well, except for having COVID. So that was kind of a bummer. I got it right before I was due for my booster shot. And then then was told that because I had Pfizer it's I was actually due for my booster shot earlier now according to the new guidelines oh, so. five months right for Pfizer yeah it's five months and I and I got it like five and a half months after my second dose so. oh so close <laughs> I mean yeah, yeah you know oh wow my my booster is set for next uh next Friday so I'm super excited yes. and I'm crossing my fingers that um, so the booster's good for kids like five and up, but like, I guess like over the next few months, they're doing a lot more testing and hopefully it'll be good for my kiddo who just turned two a couple months ago. So otherwise we've just been kind of, you know, staying away from a couple people and making sure things are safe and, you know, doing the best we can like everyone else out there. Right. Yep. But I've definitely had quite a few things canceled lately, yes. which is, I think, okay. It's probably better to be safe than sorry. So. I was gonna. I haven't had this many close calls since probably like early 2020. Since things yeah. got like we're getting yeah. like this close to home, but. All right, today we are talking about um, kind of, I don't know. I think a lot of time spent. I don't know for me, coming up to like eating disorder, like therapy, eating disorder treatment you know, especially for, like, my teen years and then, like, early 20s was, like, you know, you're still trying to figure out, like, what your major is if you're in college or, like, what you want to do and, like, what's what's going on and who you are and your brain is still developing and all that stuff into your early 20s. So it's kind of hard to figure out what type of person you become or what type of person you want to become and what kind of things you're interested in, um, who you like, what type of people you like, what gender you like, and... Um, you know, taking a lot of cues from, from family and friends and, you know, your social groups, 
uh, it can be difficult to understand who you are when there's a lot of external input with what's going on. Yes. Um, was that similar to your experience? Yeah, I, I, as you were talking, kind of the thing that came into my mind is like the thing that we hear so, so frequently from people who are brand new to recovery is like, but if I don't have my eating disorder, who am I? Yes. And, and I don't think that's a coincidence that it is so incredibly common. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this is, this is a great topic because we get a lot of comments about like, how do I recover, you know? And a lot of people are approaching recovery with the mindset that like you just go to treatment, somebody gives you a list of steps, you implement those mm-hmm. steps, and then you're done. <laughs> I got my and checklist then, done. And then that's the What's path. next? Yep. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Um, and it it would actually be super nice if that's how it worked. I mean, to some degree, yes. Like there are certain steps like follow your treatment teams, you know. Uh, advice mm-hmm. like teach, teaching you how to establish normal eating habits like that is a little more prescriptive it's the dealing with all of the things that made your eating disorder useful in your life to begin with that gets a little murkier <sighs> and is different for literally everyone <laughs> that's that's heavy yeah what yeah. yeah what made it useful what was i what was i using it for you know like what was i trying to you know, was I covering something up? Was I trying to heighten something? Was there something about myself that I didn't like? And then after just feeling so raw and vulnerable, like after, like that, that was, it was scary feeling that like vulnerability of like, who am I without this? Like, what does this mean if I don't have that? Like, you know, like I, you know, someone with an eating disorder, I, you know, I had anorexia is that, you know, and so, you know, how, what does, what does that leave if that's not me? You know, what type right. of, what type of person am I? A lot of these things was like, and just scared of knowing that person. And I felt so scared being alone with myself like this unknown of like having felt like having to introduce myself to me again and having conversations with myself and be like do you like doing this i know when you had an eating disorder you liked running do we like running do i like running no i don't like running (laughs) (laughs) i I don't like running i don't like i thought i liked running when i had an eating disorder i was like oh this this is fun like yeah, like, you get endorphins and, like, it, like, stimulates that, like, happiness center. But, like, in recovery, I'm just, like, no, I don't, I don't enjoy running at all. Like, I like, I like biking. I like riding my bicycle to work. I like lifting weights sometimes. Like, those things, like, release, like, endorphins. I like going for walks. But, like, running's not my thing. And that's something I learned that I'm, like, some people like it. Some people really dig it, though. You know, and like, again, like cycling was one of those things that I liked before I had an eating disorder. And it was like, you know, am I still going to do that? Am I still going to like that part? And sure enough, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I do like, I do like riding a bike around. That is fun. I can still do that. You know, and like those parts are okay. But like some, even some people 
I didn't get along with after I had an eating disorder. I'm like, do I just like this? Well, okay. So I had an eating disorder and like, I had like alcohol use disorder. So like I was drinking a lot and I'm like, so like some people just didn't, didn't vibe with who I was in recovery. And, and my guess is you, you probably experienced with a lot of what a lot of people experience with eating disorders. There's, there tends to be a common theme of who they are is a thing they felt like they're not allowed to be. And so the act of recovery also means sort of fighting more authoritarian systems that are built around them that have told them how to be. Hmm. which is terrifying and yeah this is a this is a whole can of worms that we can dive into i don't know exactly where we want to what do you start. what do you mean by like people telling you what to do and how to act um let's see there's there's several different themes that show up um so i mean i've talked to people in recovery since i mean gosh, it's almost like 20 years now of just talking to people at all stages of recovery. And I see a couple common themes. One is people who have come from families where the conflict style is, do we all need to agree or you need to get out? And there's nothing in between. Mm -hmm. And so there's, they kind of develop this sense of, I need to be what everybody else wants me to be because otherwise I'm getting kicked out. So I have to comply. Um, and we see that in a lot of like, kind of like religious fundamentalism too, like um, not necessarily the spiritual beliefs, but like the culture of the church that tells people how to be. And then we also see a lot of people, eating disorders get used very frequently to suppress sexuality mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and that can take multiple forms like, some people who've had trauma might experience hypersexuality and then they realize that if you just starve yourself, like that kind of numbs that. Or there's people who might be interested in an opposite gender than their family says they can be al allowed to like. And, um, you know, I mean, eating disorders are a great way to mess with your endocrine system in a way that shuts down hormones and, and stuff like that. Um, and then there's just the, the sheer factor of when you feel helpless and hopeless and you feel stuck and you feel like you can't break out of whatever chains you're in, whatever form that takes. Um, you know, like sometimes we'll see people who have committed to certain educational programs and they are going to get their PhD and whatever. And they're, they're, they promised their family and that's just what mm -hmm. they do. And then they halfway through are like, I'm not feeling it. This isn't me, but they're like, I just got to power through. I got to do it, you know, but those feelings have to go somewhere. And so that's where a lot of times the eating disorder will come in and, you know, you can either numb yourself by not having any calories and just living in constant brain fog. You can act out your anger with like binging and purging or any kind of, you know, get high crash, all of those things. And it gives a perfect distraction for people who feel stuck. Yeah. What was, like, what's the breakthrough moment here? Like, what was your breakthrough moment where you were just, like, or, like, <sighs> maybe not, like, breakthrough, but, like, something you were doing where you were just, like, this fits. 
And like something, okay, so like something I've found out about you over the last like few years that we've known each other has been like, you try a lot of different things. And it seems like some of them stick and some of them don't. Like, it's interesting that like, oh yeah, you, okay. So like you're doing this now or like, I hope you don't catch on fire this evening. Like, I hope you don't fall from a rooftop this evening. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But like, how did, like, how is that part of like, you know, like trying to figure out like, you know, like activities you like, or like, what was the first time that maybe you tried something that you were like, this fits, this feels like something I could, I could get into, or is it more of like an ongoing process? It's kind of an ongoing process. I think there's a lot of it that was like, there's a sense of like finding your tribe in a way. And I've tried a few different activities over the years. And some of them, it's like you walk in and everybody's super nice, but you're like, I don't really understand these people, but they're nice, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then you find other communities where it's like, oh, I know you and I know your friend and I know this other person and we've never actually met, but we all do the same things and we all share the same circles. Mm-hmm. And you find them on Facebook and they have like 30 mutual friends, you know? And you go, okay, no, these are my yep. people, yep. you know? Um, gosh, I don't know if I'm really answering the question effectively, but... Is it, it's so, know. okay, I, so that, it's it would be easy to get kind of stuck in the like, do you ever feel that like you have a lot of like mutual friends with people in the ED community and be like, okay, maybe this is my, this is my group of people. Like they're just oh. like recovery people. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I could definitely see that happening. And I think in early recovery that might somewhat be partially appropriate just because you're all talking about the same thing at the mm-hmm. same time. And like, there's like shared experiences and stuff like that. I think over time you kind of gravitate either beyond that or find your circle within the, you know, recovery circle. Um, yeah, it, it varies. I remember Um, feeling that way. The, when I went to like my first, uh, NIDA national convention, I was like, Oh, this is great. These are people I've been like following online. Like, it's cool to see some researchers here that like I've read their work and like other people that are working to similar. I'm like, this is great. We're all like going the same thing. This is super cool. And that was maybe like seven years ago. So things were different. back. Yeah. But like it was it was like really interesting you know and like who um you know the people that i connected with back then are obviously like doing different things now sometimes not even in the same career or the same place or the same industry that they were uh back then and to also see their growth and who you know where their life has taken them is also really interesting it's more of like a okay so we were like in this together but we also like found other things that we enjoy to do with our lives to think you know i think that can actually be a good insight in and of itself knowing that um so like a lot of times people with eating disorders we want black and white answers of who am i what's my label and that's what i'm going to be from here on out (laughs) you know um (laughs) but that alone is is important where sometimes it's just where you need to be at at that time and that's what you need in that moment and then like later on you need something else and then later on you explore something else um and that there's not a right or wrong answer it's just about being willing to sort of go where you're compelled to go in a way Mm -hmm. 
Um, which actually maybe that's the, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm struggling in my mind trying to figure out like, what was the thing kind of like you asked, like, what was the thing that, um, what I've seen over the years is that a lot of people enter recovery having this image of who they want to become. And it's based on what society likes, based on what their family likes, based on what they think their treatment program wants them mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. And then who they really are is that those things in the back of your mind, that voice that just won't go away, that is really inconvenient sometimes, you know, where you're like, yeah, I just don't want to be in this PhD program, but I have to, I have to shut that off. I have to shut that. It's way too inconvenient. That would mess up my life. I can't Mm -hmm. do it, you know, or like, oh, I think I actually might be attracted to a different gender. Oh no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Shut it off. Shut Mm -hmm. it off. But that voice just keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And usually it's like the part of yourself that you've deemed inconvenient. That is the part you need to pay more attention to. Maybe just kind of like ride that out too and be like, you know, like explore those thoughts more, I think was what it, what it did for me. It was like, Mm -hmm. not just immediately shutting it down, but maybe just listening for a while and like ride that wave of inconvenient thought (laughs) and see where it's going to go from there. Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be in this program. Okay. Like, what would that mean? Like, what, what type of lifestyle would I have if I wasn't in that program? You know, like what would that mean? Like, what type of things could I do? You know, like, if I wasn't in, you know, if I wasn't in nursing, if I wasn't in the medical field, like, what would I be doing? I'd be like, oh, I would have my weekends off, for sure. Um, If I worked from home, I'd spend more time, you know, with my family. I could do this or that. And things that, you know, maybe some things that I didn't think were possible. And it's, it's exciting because I feel like it just it opened up my mind more into what recovery could look like for me personally, instead of what it should look like or what people have been telling me it looks like. Right. Right. And even, I like what you said about even just leaning into those thoughts and just asking questions, like not even being like, Oh, I guess I need to do this now, but just like, let me think about that for a minute. Um, Because also, like, for example, if you're in your PhD program and you've decided that it just doesn't fit, but you're trying to make it fit, like, lean into that and say, what is it that doesn't fit? And, like, in there somewhere, you'll get a clue to your own values, Mm -hmm. like, your own beliefs, your own purpose. And sometimes in in seeing the places where we're disjointed from the world around us, like, that's how we kind of figure out, like, okay, I'm this other thing and I'm going to pursue that. And either I need to speak up and maybe change and influence the environment around me, or maybe I need to find a new tribe to hang out with, you know, where I can be this person. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. How, so I'm thinking of a way of like, how did this, like manifest itself in me and where I'm at, like what choice is, did I lean into to get where I'm at now? And I think a lot of it was just kind of taking those chances and being like, okay, I think I'm ready for this. I think I'm, 
I'm pretty con- like in the beginning of recovery and even like before my eating disorder, just like like running and hanging out with any like girl or guy that was cool. And just being like, alright, this is fun, this is awesome. But then like further on being like, okay, maybe I should make more conscious choices of who I spend my time with and who I'm available for. And that led to like finding my wife. It was great. I mean, like, okay, this is nice. I like this. And then, like, is it like having kids was like a completely different thing, because it it felt like I wanted to, but I didn't want to at the same time. And then, like, being so scared about like, how do I feed a child? Like, am I going to struggle? Like, I've struggled with feeding myself. Like, what? Like, what do I do? Like, I have to feed myself three times a day. I have to get to like feed a child again after that. I'm like that's that's nuts. Like I don't I don't want to do that. It's a legit fear. And then so, and then like going through that and like talking with them, I'm like, okay, this is you know like kind of like putting it in my brain for a while and going through it and being like, okay, I can do this. This is all right. I've had cats for a while. I'm I'm ready for a child. This is what I can do. But you've had a bunny for a while, so like, do you do bunny? cat and then no child or like do you just do like bunny cat like what's as far as like what what sort of well, I know, like, making I know like we've we've talked about like you like you're in like no like not like children groups right mm-hmm. so like at what point like did you get comfortable with that and knowing like that's what, what like decision you wanted to make you know it was it was kind of interesting like when I went through early recovery like that was never anything that I was like considering on my radar about whether or not I'd want to be married with kids or whatever or I mean I suppose it's always kind of in the background is like we're always led to believe you're supposed to find your partner and then get married and then have kids blah 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 um and I think over the course of many years like I had several long-term relationships um and then um after my last like really long-term relationships sort of realized that the reasons that I broke up with the people I dated long-term, like I saw those reasons in the first week that I knew them, you know, and was just trying to be like, Oh no, it'll, it'll work out. Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that kind of led me down this rabbit hole of like um, essentially just like interviewing potential partners. But um, is that the, was that the spreadsheet? The spreadsheet? Yes. (laughs) Is this where Excel got involved? This is where Excel got involved. Yeah, because I think over time, I realized that it's not just about finding a partner. It's about finding a partner that actually blends with me as a person. Mm -hmm. And so that involves both knowing myself and knowing what complements me as a person. Um, So, you know, the, the theme of recovery is identifying your own needs, identifying your own emotions, identifying how things impact you, and then being willing and able to say what meets your needs and what doesn't um and then through that like i've i haven't yet found someone where i'm like this is my person but in the meantime what i did do is i built a really good life for myself and i have a lot of really great friends i have a lot of great community around me i have a lot of hobbies that i truly enjoy i have a a career that i love and pays me well and i do I, I love my life. Um, and then when I turned around 40, I had this decision to make where it was like, okay, 
if I ever want kids, it's like, do it now or else. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I intentionally wrote out this long list of like pros and cons of like, here's what I want out of my life. Like, here's what kids would give me. Mm -hmm. And for me, like the, it, there was almost no comparison. Like I have so much that I want to do in my life that when kids entered the situation, it was like, oh, that wouldn't prevent me from doing that. That would prevent me from doing that. Oh, I'd have to focus on that instead. Oh, I'd have to, mm-hmm. you know, I'd have to take care of someone else instead of like exploring things that I'm really into, you know. Um, and there just weren't a lot of pros from my personal perspective yeah. about like having children. Um, and it took me a long time to get there because even never in my life have I ever experienced that feeling where I'm like, I really want a baby, you yeah. know, which a lot of other women, so, like, yeah, like you hear that a birth, lot. They're like, I want to grow up, have babies. Like, yeah. Ta- yeah. Talking and, with like, my wife too. She's them. just like, all right, when are we going to do this? I'm like, oh, it's, we've been married for like a month. So let's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> but, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, of course, like there's going to be, you know, uh, you know, there's going to be people of all different, you know, you know, what, what they want out of life. So it would be, of course, natural that some people just wouldn't want kids. Yeah. And I think that's a good example, like for our recovery being who you are, not necessarily who you should be, according to other people. It's like, I've never had those feelings that other women have. Like, I just, I just don't, it's never been in me. And I tried to force myself to, Mm -hmm. and I'm so glad that I didn't because I mean, I firmly believe that like every child deserves to be fully wanted by someone who's ready and prepared to take care of them. And I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. So um, had I listened to society and just done the thing that I was told to do, like it wouldn't just have impacted me. It would have created a person who wasn't getting what they needed. Yeah. And that is not okay with me. So I had to do what was good for my values and myself and my own personality you weren't ready to be a grandma no but i love being an aunt to my, <laughs> that's like, right. yeah you and... get the aunt yeah you get the aunt thing so that's pretty yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah that's the that's the best of all worlds you know because it's like i still get to be plus i get to be the cool aunt you know like that's the that's the better thing you know mm-hmm. i don't know i really enjoy it that's interesting and and not only that but by being willing to kind of go against the green, I've also seen, like, there's things that I can do that, like, my parent friends can't do, you know? Just because I have a, a lot more freedom mm-hmm. and a lot more spending money just because I'm not spending any kids. So, like, if, if one of my friends is having a terrible day, like, I can drop everything and be like, we're going to go get some drinks and we're going to talk mm-hmm. about it, you know? Like, immediately. We're, my, my parent friends can't. Yeah. So I think that every every tribe needs like all kinds of people to do all kinds of so things. So what are so. like what are some what would you call them like barriers or stigmas that like you faced from like making that choice or from like trying to live authentically? Like do you still feel like a lot of like pressure? Um I think by now at this point in my life, like I've surrounded myself with people who get me, mm-hmm. you know, like I found my tribe of people who see who I am and accept me for who I am. 
I have a little more trouble sometimes when I go out into like the general public with like strangers who, you know, all kind of come with their own kids mentalities and stuff. <laughs> yeah. They're like, how many kids do you have? Or like, where do you ki- your kids go to school? And oh, like, okay. Know. So it's just like this like assumption immediately because oh, you're always, of a certain yeah. age that you of course have children. Yeah. And then if I, if I say I don't have kids, there's a lot of people who sort of take that as an attack on their choices, which, which is interesting where it's like, I didn't say that you can't have kids. I just said they're not for, for me, you know? And like, (laughs) how dare you say my kids aren't for you? (laughs) I know. And I have many parent friends and I love them all. And, and seeing there's certain friends of mine too, who've, really really struggled to to get pregnant and Mm -hmm. with fertility and like i celebrate with them when they are living the life and there you are just hoarding your eggs i know right (laughs) yeah if anybody wants some eggs like you can have them they're probably old right now but like (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean yeah you see it though i mean that was uh, again like that was my my own concern too was like having a child and being like man like i've struggled so much just being worried about am I doing the right thing like when she was like nine months or something I think we talked about like I don't know like sometimes she's eating and sometimes she doesn't eat and sometimes I struggle to feed her and like my friends with kids were just like yeah it's a baby like I don't sometimes they eat and sometimes they throw stuff up like what do you and I was like I just don't want her to be purging and to have these urges and they're like dude babies throw up sometimes (laughs) Yep. There was, like, yep, so much exactly. of, like, my internal business just, like, wrapped up in this kid. I just wanted to be, like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to bring my own crap into here. Just, like, you do you, and then, like, I'll do me, and, like, we'll just try and, like, be happy with each other. And, like, that's just kind of what it is. I don't think I'm at to that. And, like, eventually, of course, like, I'll get to the point where, you know, she's going to school and she hears, like, fat fatphobic crap and all that. And I'll have to, like, you know, do that. And have those conversations and but but not yet now it's just it's just good happy intuitive eating times that sometimes i learn from so that's i mean i think that was another part of you know who i am too is kind of deciding okay like this is this is comfortable this is this is where i want to be and that like that was like a big part of recovery and not knowing that i mean i don't know like sometimes i'll think that i can be like I didn't know this was going to be it. I didn't know this would be possible. And it's like happy knowing that. And just to say to other people too, like that is a possibility. You can, you know, ride those thoughts out a little bit and be like, Oh, maybe this is possible. Maybe I can do this. Like maybe I don't have to get married. Maybe I don't have to have kids. Like if you, being like oh man i don't really want to have kids like oh this isn't the life i want then don't yeah. right like if Definitely you don't. want to sleep in on sundays then sleep in on sundays you get a second saturday out of it I it's pretty great <laughs> yeah i get all the sleep in the world and i love it well and i also know myself enough to know that like when i get woken up early in the morning i am cranky and so, like, I don't want to put another person in that situation where they need to depend on me waking up in the morning because it's not going to happen. So <laughs> I know my limits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What would our I think, what would our suggestions oh, be to people who want to make steps to 
live more authentically? I think there's a couple of themes that are really, really important. One is, surprisingly enough, conflict resolution skills. Um, because I think it's really, really common for people with eating disorders to be surrounded by people who... Oh. Um, or to be... Well, oh, I don't like a lot this of people at all. With eating disorders, I don't like conflict. I don't like this at all. Oh, right? this is why there's two of I this mean, is why there's two of us on the podcast, and not just me being like, okay, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> right? But but how many times have we seen people with eating disorders be self-sacrificing to the max? You know, of like, oh, I'll just go along with it because I'm taking care of other people, and I don't matter that much. I'm just going to yeah. take care of other people. You know, and it we just, we sacrifice ourselves. It leads it leads to just getting taken advantage of. Or at least to abuse in relationships to be like, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe this is just what I'm worth then, you know? Yeah. You know, maybe, yeah, I guess I'll pick up extra shifts. I mean, if nobody else is going to do it, I better do it. Or I am not feeling well, but I'll, I'll go in anyway. This is, I think it was a big deal for me at work to finally say, no, I don't want to come in this day. And then just leave it at that. Oh my God. You can just leave it at that. You yeah. can. And that no is a complete yeah. sentence. Sometimes, so you can yeah. just say no sometimes. That was like, oh, it like blew my mind. It's like, hey, can you make it oh. in? I'm like, no, I'm good. And then that's it. Yeah. It's wild. But don't get carried away. Like, you, like every now and then you should go into work if you want. I mean, you should, if you yeah. want to keep your job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but even a step further than that. The even more tricky part, saying no is the first major mountain to climb. The second major mountain to climb is when you've said no and someone doesn't like it. Walk away. You still get to say okay. no. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I mean, I hear from so many people in recovery who are like, I'm totally going to stop people pleasing as long as people are okay that. <laughs> that's so true. I'm laughing because that's me. It's it's true. It's, yeah, yeah, like is everyone okay Relatable. if we just yeah, if we stop people? Pleasing. I'm gonna speak up for myself. Are, is that okay? Oh, yeah. the asking for permission to have feelings or to feel mm -hmm. a certain way or to do a certain thing, and then to say to yourself yeah. that, like that. Oh wow. I give myself yeah. permission is critical to recovery. Um, <sighs> and it's, it's hard because like that is something that just by the nature of how treatment programs are, like it's hard to create a treatment protocol around self joy. And, like pushing. I, <laughs> when I was, when I was in treatment, I tried to give myself permission to go to the bathroom, but the door was locked. I had to go ask. <laughs> and then yeah. I had to, and then I had to go ask again and be like, Hey, could you, could you flush that now? So it's yep. such like, it's such a thing to break out of. Like after like going it through is. treatment be like, okay, can I go this? Like, can I have a four hour pass? Can I have this mm -hmm. to eat instead of that to eat? And, you know, there's just so much, like, it's built, like you said, like, it's built into the system. So, like, I remember, yeah. like... And don't get me wrong, like, treatment programs can't be 
absolutely life-saving and critical. And like, I'm not saying don't go to Oh, for treatment. sure. Yeah. I'm just saying like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, I hear from a lot of people who are like, I'm diligently following my treatment program over and over and over. I've been through several treatment programs. I've been a, a star student in treatment and I'm still not recovered. And it's because treatment will take you a good chunk of the way, but like the home stretch is when you're going, I don't need permission to eat. I don't need my treatment program to tell me to eat. I can just decide. And, and that's like stage, stage two kind of, yeah. you know, like that's the, the final boss round kind of, um, which is hard. Yeah. It was, it was tough for me to like come back after like an overcorrection, like getting out of treatment and be like, all right, I can do what I want now. Like I gave my per myself permission to do everything. I'd be like, I'm going to go try this. Like I'm going to go do this. Going to like see what this drug's about. Like I go drink this for a while. Going to go sleep with this person. After a while, just being like, mm -hmm. time to reel it in. We we gotta we gotta dial mm -hmm. this back a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, well, and, that's and then like get comfortable with feeling like, okay, like I'm I'm cool. Like I'm just gonna like do my thing and like enjoy who I am. And then like mm -hmm. moving like a step past that, even like into marriage and being like, all right, now like there's like I'm holding myself accountable but then also like being like okay there's a family now too so I can't be like well I'm just gonna go do this now like I'm gonna go do this like right. is that cool okay that's cool with everyone I'm gonna go do this now it's just like it's changing but I love it yeah and that kind of um that kind of brings up the question of how do you know when what you want to do is the right thing mm. to do and um that's another stage of recovery which I think is actually something that people should kind of aim for early on, which is much easier said than done, but identifying what your core values are, um, which is hard because like, if you look at like a list of like values, like honesty, loyalty, blah, 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 like everybody's going to be like, yeah, I value that. <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> but, uh, but if you have to like rank them against each other, like your core values are the ones where you're like, Oh yeah. Um, I have to choose between being liked and doing the right thing, mm. you know, like, um, which one will you prioritize first? And that's your core mm -hmm. value. And like, so then when you're doing the thing of my treatment program says I can do whatever I want now, cause they don't have, <laughs> they're not the boss of me. What's um, your core value? Like, I don't have then, any values then. So I just had to find out <laughs> where my line was. Right. Yeah, and, and honestly, like, it takes some experimentation, too. And sometimes there is still value in recovery of falling flat on your face and seeing what happens and then taking a moment to be like, okay, when I did this, that happened. Mm -hmm. Is that what I want? How did that feel? How do I learn from that? Like, did it surprise me and go well? Did it go very poorly? And then this is a, a tricky thing that we see a lot of times with people who've been in treatment program after treatment program for like decades is like, there's this sense of no one's telling me what to do. Therefore, I don't have to take care of myself. I can listen to my eating oh. disorder. But like the consequences are there to own mm -hmm. no matter what, which is a hard thing. And there's this sort of like sense of externalizing like, Yes, I destroyed my life, but it's their fault, their fault for not preventing me from doing mm -hmm. it. And so, like, sometimes that's a stage in recovery in and of itself oh. is, like, 
no, no, I made that choice and I, I own the consequences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So we can start wrapping it up. If that's cool. I feel like, I don't know if we've had any like major zingers of really good advice though. Oh, do we? I don't know. A zinger of... I always want to make sure people leave with like something life changing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, at work, uh, we were talking about advice and um, kind of uh, mottos or mantras that you have throughout the day or that you had during difficult times. And I was wondering if if you had any like motto or saying or little like piece of wisdom that you had through um, through your eating disorder through you know early recovery that kind of helped you out during difficult times that gave you like the extra like push. There was a particular moment in my recovery where I had tried for so long to people please and be everything that everybody else wanted to me or wanted me to be. And I ended up like in just a crappy scenario where all my friends had like disappeared and I really needed people. And I was like, I've given everything and this is what I get. And I just had this moment where I was like, it can't get worse. Meaning that it's like a freebie at this point, you know, I can do whatever I want and it can't get worse. So I just kind of took that as an opportunity to be like, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what I've been trying all along just to see what happens. There you go. And it can't get worse. Like there's nowhere to go but up. And oddly enough, it was kind of a liberating place to be, you know, like I didn't have anything to lose. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of amazing. I don't know. Maybe it's like the, the one benefit of rock bottom is like whatever choice you make. Where am I going? Yeah. Where's (laughs) this going to take me? Where's this path lead? Yeah, exactly. Um, Mine was, um, I think I've probably talked about how many times I read the book 1984 in treatment. Um, But I think one thing that still stuck with me and I, I shared with my HR group at work because we were talking about, you know, like things, you know, like motivations and stuff. And um, I was like, one thing that really keeps me going through recovery and also like still now it'll, I'll remind myself of it is um, having a body, having a body and mind to withstand life. And I think that's, Ooh, I like it. I mean, it's more prescient in like the last few years and like not only like keeping your body healthy and ready to go for whatever comes at you, you know, either it's like sickness or if it's something external, you know, if you need to go to like a rally or protest and you need to have a sharp body for something to start running, (laughs) you know, and just to have, have a body to, you know, be able to withstand things, you know, have, uh, have the wherewithal and emotional intelligence to, you know, maybe drop some things quick and go see a friend who needs your emotional support. Um, and you know, you can't do that on an empty stomach and you know, you need to, yeah, just keep yourself, you know, aware and enlightened to withstand this life. So that's kind of something I tell myself now. And obviously the life takes, takes a different meaning, you know, as the years go by, what is, what is life? What do I need to withstand here? What's, you know, what's going to come at me 
and it's it's always different but you always need you know your body and mind to be aware and i think they're they're two different things but you know they're intertwined together i guess that's that's what i would lead lead with too you're going through your video game at full strength with your character yes that's right (laughs) (laughs) that's right yeah what's it what is it there's always uh before you enter like a you know, before you go in and see, like, an enemy or before you encounter a boss, or you're always going to see the little power-ups or little med kits sitting around and, like, all right, just going to pick up yep. all those little, you know, health potions around before something happens. Even if I don't need them right now, I know, you know, something's probably exactly. going to come and I need I need what health I can when I can get it, so. Yeah, and I've seen that a lot in people who whose eating disorders were, like, rooted in, like, trauma and abuse and stuff, where part of their recovery is about like fighting some of the systems that allowed that to happen and then nourishing yourself and having energy and having strength becomes your weapon Mm -hmm. in a in a fight for justice which i think is is kind of cool and that's you know a pretty good motivation to eat a sandwich yep (laughs) that'll do it All right. We want to thank all of our uh, listeners for coming with us again and hope you've uh, definitely learned, um, you know, some things about living. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I I really like this conversation. It's nice to kind of, like, delve back into kind of, like, what what makes us tick or what can be, you know, we, we get asked so many times, how do you do it? Like what, like, what do you, like, how do you know when you're in recovery? And I think it's just the more you feel like you're being that core of yourself, like the more you get yourself back. I always feel like the litmus test for me when I'm talking to someone in recovery, knowing like how far along they are in recovery is how interesting and unique their story is. Because a lot of times early recovery, you'll hear like, oh, I went to treatment. I'm complying with my meal plan. I'm doing good. That's all Mm -hmm. good stuff. But it's, it's the same across the, you know what I mean? Um, And it's not until you start hearing stuff like, well, I, you know, took a look at this thing that happened in my life. And then I decided to follow this specific path. And then I healed this specific thing Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, now the person's becoming real. Yeah. And now they're whole. And that they've done some work. There's a very different. Yeah, for sure. So everybody go and make yourselves whole and claim your story. Ah, there it is. There it is. Go whole and make yourself whole and claim your story. Exactly. Okay, that's it. I will say goodbye again. Um, If you have any questions, please reach out to us. uh, EDOffTopic at gmail.com. Eating Disorders Off Topic on Facebook. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, Give us a like. Follow the show for updates, questions. Sometimes we'll post things like, what do you want to talk to us about? We're doing the frequently asked questions, you know, every, you know, so often. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, And that's it. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, subscribing. And um, thanks again to our audio engineer, Brianne, for being so wonderful and getting these episodes up for us. So thank you again. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye.